0: Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Today I'm reading from Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Last Sunday, we started a series called The Live Greater. And in this series, what I am trying to do is over the next four weeks, I want to unpack um, a, a, a God's promises when we hear the word God's promises, um, immediately I feel like we, we categorize it and we put it into the prosperity gospel. That God wants to bless you. So when we hear those things, we're like, oh no, how much $7.99 for a prayer cloth? What do I got to do? No, you don't have to do anything. You have to understand scripture. You have to know the Bible. You have to understand the promises of God and then you have to pursue them. And so I kind of unpacked what that looks like last Sunday. Today, we're starting a four part, uh, the, the last four parts of the series where I want to unpack these four core promises that I believe that God has given us. Um, for us to be able to live, but it's a plan, as I'll show you in just a second. Um, If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I want you to write this down. The title to this message is Promise of Salvation. Promise of Salvation, and this is the first promise that's found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. Um, Let's pray. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come before you. Um, Father, I, I, I am worthless without you. Um, Father, my words fall short if it's not because of you. I'm just talking about you and plagiarizing people who you have written the Bible through, Lord. And so, Father, as we take Scripture today and we unpack it, I pray, Father, that you would speak to the hearts of individuals. Open up hearts, Lord God. Open up understanding. Help us, Father, not to be emotionally just driven and moved, Lord, but I pray, Father, that there would be an understanding to this, that we would get it, that we would grasp this, Lord, that we would be able to live out everything that you have for us. Father, I love you, and I thank you for everything that you've done, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen and amen come on would you put your hands together for jesus one more time in his place that was a golf clap y'all gonna put your hands together can y'all make some noise for jesus amen hi abby Hi. how you doing good say hi to the people hi this is my daughter abby and so uh, usually I'll, I'll share a story, and the reason why we share stories, especially at the beginning of messages, we, we do these illustrations, is because I think for so long there's been this stigma, right, of the pastor that's up in the front, and the man of God, and he's perfect, and he has everything figured out. And then it creates this false illusion, but it also, it, it kind of handcuffs you, because you're like, I can never be like that person. And so my hope and my desire is that the transparency that we share on a regular basis allows for you to see that, like, yo, we're we're trying to figure this thing out. We're on a journey together. And so I share a lot of stories and some of the stories I share are about you Abby I be telling on you girl because you crazy <laughs> yeah you you crazy though you need you got therapy and so um um my daughter I, I wanted to share a story but I wanted to bring her up so she could validate it so you don't think I'm lying because you know preachers be exaggerating sometimes but I said you know what let me bring her up the other day we were hanging out any Cobb County parents Cobb County parents uh, what the heck is an asynchronistic thing? You are like the second principal at the school. What the heck is an asynchronistic day? I feel like they just be making stuff up just to like hang out with the teachers. You know what I mean? And just eat. And so we had a day where Abby was off. So what did we do? A daddy-daughter date. Turn up. Let's do our handshake. Bam. Bam. Wait, Wait, sorry. Bam. Bam. No. Okay, here we go. Ready? Bam. Bam. Ready? Bam. 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 Bam! Now we gotta go fast. You making me look oh, bad I right now, dog? Crying. All right. All right. There we go. <laughs> Whatever, she out here throwing gang signs. And so we hung out. We spent the day, and we man, we went out. We did a bunch of different things. Um, a few days ago, uh, Abby got got hurt. How did you get hurt, Abby? Um, so we went tubing, and I scraped my knee on one of the big rocks. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the tubing people said, Do you guys want to go on the adventure one? Instead of the 30, 45 minutes, which I'm glad, Jason, you didn't come, the 45 minute tubing that's fun. Um, three hours later, my daughter was bleeding, and my son was bleeding, and it was just an adventure. And so Abby had this band aid. And the band-aid was half coming off. And when it was half coming off, I was like, hey, Abby, um, let me rip the band-aid off. Because I saw her in the car. She's like slowly pulling the band-aid. I'm like, stop. Boo-boo, let me just rip the band-aid off. Like, relax. Let me just take it off. And she, did you, did, what did you say? I said no. Yeah. Why? Because I was nervous it was going to hurt. That if I ripped it off, it was going to hurt? Yep. Yep. So so she said no. So what do I do as a good father? You know what I'm saying? Like a father that's trying to teach her. I don't want her to live in fear. You know what i mean like i don't know the bandit don't live in fear like listen to me baby i'm trying to help you um so as a good father i try to bribe her and so i said i'm gonna buy you candy um what was the second thing i told you you said you were gonna buy me ice cream, ice cream. i was ice gonna cream. take her to get ice, ice cream yeah. i started compounding them if you let me pull it off i'm gonna buy you ice cream i'm gonna buy you this and then we went to plato's closet which by the way i am the king of plato's closet I don't play no game you see these right here play those closet baby i don't play no games i i i'm a scan i go beep beep beep, beep, beep 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 i have a sonar and so i take abby i'm showing her the gucci purses that are the fake because they have and the glasses and the gucci glasses can you show me the walk show me how you walked when you had the glasses she's like dad let me get these glasses do it do the whole thing oh my god oh my god <laughs> i don't know what that was but she <laughs> but that's what i did i know you were really cute um, but I wasn't going to buy the glasses because I said, baby, let me pull the band-aid off. And if you let me pull it off, I'll buy you everything. I can show you the world. <laughs> and she said, no. And so we ended up leaving from there. But then I said, you know what? As a father, I'm not just going to manipulate my kids, but I'm gonna give them a little son. So I took her to the candy store. We went to the candy store. Shout out the scoops in downtown Ackworth. Um, remember I pulled the thing and all the candy went in the bag. It was a lot of candy. You still have some of that candy. I actually do have this the whole bag you still have the whole bag the whole bag only. my god and so i tell abby okay abby <laughs> here's what i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do is that i'm gonna let you get all these candies but if you let me pull the, the thing off i'm gonna give you another candy wow. and i don't know what happened i think she ate a candy and she got a little bit of in the blood you know what i mean parents you know what that's like when they get you see them at the beginning they eat the candy and then it goes in the vein and then as soon as they go in the way, they're like, <laughs> and I think that's where I got her. And I'm like, I'm like, can I pull it? She's like, go do it. Yeah, dad, let's go. No, she didn't. What did you think when I told you that? I thought it wasn't gonna hurt. You thought it was gonna hurt? Well, I thought it was gonna hurt, but but also not. Yeah. And so I get on my knees. No, but I gotta get on these. You don't do that. And so she had it there. And I did it quick because she said, I'm, I'll do it, do it. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I went and I said, what she thought was gonna kill her, I said, and I snatched it off. Did it hurt the way you thought? Nope. Did it? On a scale from zero to five, five being like, oh my God, I'm dead, zero being like, I don't feel anything. Where was it at? Zero. Wow. <laughs> that was a miracle right there, y'all. A gift of healing. You know what I'm saying? The gifts of the spirit were right there. And so what I what I was trying to teach you was not to be filled with fear that you got to listen and that daddy knows because I've been there before and when I ripped that thing off, it didn't feel anything. And then you got candy. And then you got ice cream. And then I, 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 I was a good father. I did everything that I told her. I took her back to Lid, and I was like, "Here," you know what I mean? She was bouncing. So, hey, can y'all do me a favor and make some noise for Abby? The reason, why, the reason why I bring her up and I illustrate that is because for so many of us, I think that's the way that we live uh, or, or the way that we think about Christianity, right? For some of us, when we look at Christianity, we think that Christianity is about so many rules. And so it's going to hurt. And I got to stop doing this. And I need to stop doing that. And let me tell you something, that that's not, that, that, that's not entirely, um, that's not a lie. There are things that you're going to have to let go. But for you to enter into Christianity into a relationship with Jesus, man, listen to me. The church has put so much on this that what I want to do today is that I want to kind of it. I want to untangle some stuff for you to understand, yo, you don't have to take 55 different steps to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. That salvation is something that happens by faith. Now, I'm going to show you what it looks like after you've made the decision and you've accepted Jesus, the things that you do from salvation, not for salvation. I want to kind of unpack it because for some of us, we're like, it's like the band-aid thing. We're like, oh, I can't come to Jesus yet. I got to get myself cleaned up. I got to stop doing this. I have to stop thinking this way. And once I do all of these things, then I could do it. But that's not the way that God works. Uh, the modern day philosopher slash uh, psalmist, I think he wrote this hymnal that I, 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 you, you fall in love with and you you've may have, or may not have heard it. And so, what I believe is that the psalmist Drake, he penned this God's plan hymnal, right? And so, God's plan, I think it was good, but I don't think he exegeted exactly what it actually meant. Because in reality, God does have a plan for our life. We think that Christianity is like, I got saved and then I read my Bible. You, you prayed, obviously, you get saved, you read your Bible, you pray. You go to church, you know what I mean? I go to church, I'm bing, I'm going to heaven. You know, some of y'all, you give, you know, your tithes and your offerings. Maybe you serve on a team and you're like, oh, I'm gonna help with kids. Oh, I'm gonna take pictures like Andy. But, but then we, we relegate it to the things that you do. When in reality, man, that that isn't exactly what God wanted or explained in Scripture for you to do, that he actually has a path. What if it's true? What, What if God has a path for you to be able to take now that you've gotten saved, right? Or even before you get saved, that God actually has steps that he wants you to take. Four steps that I think all of us know, and we're shaping them under these four promises because they are promises for you. They're found in, in, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And here's what happens. So uh, God has chosen a certain amount of people. He, he took Abraham and he made a covenant with Abraham and with his children. About three generations down the line, one, the last one has a child um, who his child is sold into slavery. But it was actually God's plan. <laughs> and what happens is that all of a sudden now, the, the what the enemy meant for evil, God means for good. And he's able to save a nation. The Egyptians, who at this time were the powerhouse, they were the, the the super force of the entire planet. At this time, they bring in Joseph, y'all remember Joseph, and bring in his family. And then they're like, yo, you can take this little area of our land, and you guys can make it your home. Joseph is second in command. They're blessing him, and God's people are blessed. And so what happens is that 400 years passes by. That Pharaoh who's originally there is no longer there. The Pharaoh who is there now, he's looking at the children of Israel that they have grown immensely in number and he begins to get a little insecure. These people are going to overtake us. So what ends up happening is that he switches it and he says, you know what? I need to make sure that these people don't grow too big. So we're going to turn them. We're going to put slavery on them. We're going to make them work. And we're going to make them the lowest of the lowest. No longer will they live in prosperity or blessing. But now we're going to hurt them. We're going to persecute them. And we're going to try to keep them as small as possible. And God has a conversation with Moses. And in that conversation with Moses, every single Passover, this scripture is read to the children of Israel today, 2023. Therefore, I wills that they read found in Exodus chapter six, verse six and seven. I will save you. I will free you. I will redeem you. And then I will set you as my people and I will be your God. And so these four promises that they read every single year at Passover. So communion is not, in the Jewish culture, communion is not just the cup of wine and then the bread. They actually take four cups of wine and they do the bread in succession. There's 14 different steps that they do together. Now, these 14 steps is what's called the Seder. In these four cups, they read one of the I wills. I will save you. First thing I got to do is I got to bring you out of Egypt. If I get you out of Egypt, that's the first thing I have to do. You don't have to get cleaned up. I don't need you to change your socks, nothing. I just need you right now. I need to get you out of there. But then he says something. He says, I will free you. And when we hear the word free, it's like, yo, he saved you. Why is he freeing you? It's redundant. It's not redundant because I can take you out of Egypt but I haven't taken Egypt out of you. And so there needs to be something that happens in your heart that you can begin because for some of us, a lot of us, pain, hurt, disappointment, broken promises, they cloud our heart and the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we treat people. We're, we're, we're very like, eh, I don't know if you're really trying to help me and we're, 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 we, we doubt people and whatever. All of this stuff, these are soul hurts. These are things that happen in our own heart that we feel and they they actually begin to filter how we treat people and so God wants I need to free you I need to clean you up but then he also wants to redeem you and that word redeem 83 percent I think the 82 percent the study said even Barna I was just reading 82 percent of the church of Jesus Christ men and women inside of the church of Jesus they have no idea what their calling is what's my purpose and so I, I need to redeem you. I need to bring you back because your design really de- de- describes your destiny, right? How you were created is always going to show you what God created you for. But that's week two. I promise it's going to be fun next week. Come back. But what happens is that we, we get to this space where we, we feel saved and I'm working through my junk. I'm dealing with the fact that he left. I'm dealing with the fact that she hurt me. I'm dealing with the fact that he did that. And I'm not minimizing it. I'm not belittling it. It was real, and it hurt, and they, they shouldn't have done that. But, but you got to process through that, and you got to heal past that. But then when you heal past that, you got to get to a space where it's like, yo, I'm in the process of healing. Now I need to discover my purpose. What is my reason for living? And 82% of the church of Jesus Christ, could you imagine your body, right? The body, imagine your body, 82% of it had no clue what it was doing. <clears throat> You'd probably be dead, if we're honest. If your heart didn't know what it was supposed to do, your head, And the body of Jesus Christ, for so many of us, 82% of our body has no clue what they were created for. They come and they punch a card and they leave and they go home, come back on Sunday or Wednesday for Bible study, punch a card and keep it moving. When in reality, God has a purpose. But once you figure out your purpose, then he puts you in a space where now you're going to make a difference. You're going to get along with some people. Some people are going to come around you and you're going to do something together. There's nothing better than getting up in the morning, serving God, putting your head on a pillow and knowing I affected somebody's life for the better I mean it changes the way that you look at things right and so here it is that the old testament this was the steps that God had for them I'm gonna set you I'm gonna save you I'm gonna free you I'm gonna redeem you I'm gonna bring you back to your former state and then I'm gonna fulfill you and so these steps when we think about it it sounds like something that happened to the children of Israel but I don't know how relevant it is to me because I'm not a Jew I'm not Israeli no Scripture has this written all through the Bible. I can find you 10 different places. I'm just going to show you one place in the New Testament that is speaking about me and you together. I want you to look in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. It's going to come up on the big old Bible behind me. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can, watch this. I'm, I'm going to jump in these. Look, come back to me. I will save you. I will free you. I will redeem you and then I will fulfill you. Four of them, right? What we've done as a church and it's not something that's, that's, uh, that's unique to us. Um, uh, Chris Hodges and Church of the Highlands, they actually took these four and penned them and they, they have an incredible way. We have them in our own way, but here's number one, I will save you. We call it no God. I will free you. We call it find freedom. I will redeem you. We call it discover your purpose. And then number four, I will fulfill you. We call it making a difference, right? And so I want you to see all four of these attached with what I read to you in Exodus chapter six. And I want you to see this. The father may give you the spirit of wisdom so that you may know him better. Number one, know God, I will save you so that you can be saved. Number two, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Hearts don't have eyes. My face has eyes. Or does it? Do we see things according to what our heart sees? The more broken we are, the more we see things from a broken lens. The more healed we are, the more we see things from a healed lens. But I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Discover your purpose. What's my calling? It's a journey. You see, God's plan. And then number four, and then the, last, the, the the ending of that scripture, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I will save you. I will free you. I will redeem you, but then I'm going to put you around some people, and we're going to do something together. Here is the inheritance of his glorious people that God has actually given you. What belongs to him, he's put it in. He's put it in your hands for you to be able to do something with it. Not an inheritance for you to go back and spend your life with your brand new car. We, I, I say this all the time, and I don't care if you think I say it too much. God bless you. But we believe in the prosperity gospel in this church. For those of you that are new, we believe in the prosperity gospel. We believe that God wants to give you a brand new car, a brand new house. We believe that God wants to give you everything that you ever wanted. It's the prosperity gospel. We believe it. But we believe that it's in four letters. Y'all ready? Here we are. W O R K, go get a job. Save your money, get good credit. God will give you a house. You'll get a nice house. You save your money, get a good car. You know what I mean? Don't go out there and you're making $10 an hour and you got a $500 payment on your car. Don't do that. That's not being a wise steward. You know what I mean? No prosperity in that. But we believe that God wants, when we think about the word blessing, though, we're like, ooh, that sounds like, ooh, God wants to bless you. Yes, bro. He actually has plans to bless you and to prosper you. He actually wants to do those things. We hear it and we're like, oh, because we've been manipulated, because the the heart, right, the lens that we're watching through has been twisted in such ways that we're like, I don't know. But when we look at the scriptures in the New Testament, God has a plan for you. I want you to know me. I want you to find real freedom. I want you to discover your purpose. And when you discover your purpose, I want you to go out and make a difference. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about these four promises. Today, we're going to talk about the promise of salvation. And for some of us in this room, um, this is something that's going to resound in us. And this is something for others that is going to be something that I want you to plagiarize and share with other people because I want you to understand it. In the South, it's a little bit different when you talk about salvation because our mom's mom's mom was saved. And so I've been in church my whole life. And then so I'm saved too. And that's not the way this thing works. Um, You could be church all day long. Just because I go to Chick-fil-A doesn't make me a chicken sandwich. I know I got some sweet and sour, but that doesn't make me Polynesian sauce. You know what I mean? Your your faith is your own, and you have to walk that thing out. And unfortunately, the church has confused the first promise and the second promise and intermingled them. Because it's salvation comes by God and by God alone. It's by faith. It's by grace. We only get that because God gives it to us. We do nothing about it except accept it. But what happens is that we switch these things because the church says, "No, you got to clean yourself up. You got to find freedom, and then you can be saved." And today, I want to untangle these a little bit and show you what it looks like for you to actually have salvation. Um, as we read in the scriptures, it, in Ephesians, uh, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter six, um, the, the children of Israel were in bondage. And so God raises up Moses and Moses, he says to Moses, I want you to set my, pre- my people free. And he gives them a promise, Exodus chapter 6. He says, I will save them, I will free them, I will redeem them, and then I will make them my people, I'll give them my inheritance, all that, right? And so what happens is that they are in deep, deep bondage. Can I tell you that that very same demonic spirit that was over the Pharaoh and over that time in in bondage and in hurting the children of Israel, I believe is the very same demonic spirit that is in in our world living today. And I can show it to you very easily. Remember that they were slaves, that they made them make clays and... Go back and read a little bit of your history, jump on the Google. The pyramids that you see in Egypt, those pyramids were made by, by by Israel. Those pyramids were made by Jewish slaves. And you can go back and check it out and see all of that stuff and you'll be blown away to hear the history about it but it's real. The Bible is real. You can go and see what they did. It's a real thing. Here's what happens. So the children of Israel, they're in slavery and they're building these clay rocks, these big old clay things and they give them straw. They bring straw in the morning and they dump it off in front of their tent and then they got to take the straw and they got to mix it with clay and then they're making concrete out of this thing so that they can continue to build Egypt, right? And so number one, I believe that that demon spirit is still here because what happens is that we, though we are free in nature, not um, this word is real triggering and it's real weird sometimes because the word slave means something totally it's it hurts um i think it's triggering i think it's real it has been something that has pillaged and hurt our country for so long but it goes way before the united states of america was ever invented the children of israel were slaves for 400 years making these clay things these clay rocks to be able to build houses and pyramids and everything and can i tell you something that very same spirit is living in the church and in people's lives even today Because for some of us we have been so trapped by sin We have been so trapped by our emotions. Some of y'all, it's alcohol and drugs and, you know, and you're trapped by these things and these things like, man, they, they, you, when I say a slave, a slave has no say so. A slave does what the master tells them to do. And for some of us, what ends up happening is that alcohol and drugs tell us what to do. And we don't want to spend our money. We want to spend time with our children. We want to be able to have a life. But what happens is that it has such a hold on us. For some of you, it might not be drugs and alcohol. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's anxiety. It's this thing that just grabs you. And if you wake up in the morning and you don't feel it, something's off. Because, it, I mean, it has just trapped you, that you're just holding on to it. There's these things that happen that the enemy traps you in them. And these suicidal thoughts that you're like, man, I'm fighting with them, but they're constant. And sometimes I'm like, man, I just, just to eliminate everything that's happening, let me just take that step. And you're, you're trapped in this thing. And, and for some of us, it's, it's sexual. And it's whether it's sleeping with an individual really face-to-face physically Or sometimes it's something that happens as an emotional, spiritual attachment through pornography. And we're finding ourselves, well, it's been a month and I've been doing good. But then I saw something or something came across my feet and, ah, and you fell again. And you've been trying to get up, but you just feel trapped. It kind of feels like you've been tailor-made to walk this path that you don't even like. Because you said, I'm going to do that. That's what God called me to do. I'm so excited to do that. Maybe you, even before your new church, you were like, yo, I want to open up this or business or I want to open up an orphanage. For some of y'all, y'all were Christians. And for some of you that are in this room, you've been in church for your whole life and you had these dreams. I want to be a youth pastor. I want to do this thing. I want to preach. Like I'm, I'm, I want, and all of a sudden life just kind of like Taylor makes you where you just start walking a path that wasn't created for you, nor does God want you to walk, but you just feel Trapped. And I don't know if it's Chase, MasterCard, if it's Wells Fargo They got you just living in this life where you wake up in the morning, you go punch a card, you do what you're told to do, and then you come home, you sit down on Netflix for a little while, you might talk to the kids for a minute, go back to bed, and then do it again the next day. And it's not the life that God created for you. And listen, I'm not telling you to go back and tell your wife, babe, the pastor said, I'm quitting my job. No, you're dumb. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not paying for you. You know what I mean? I'll take you to lunch. But what but, but I'm saying is that what if there's more? What if being trapped in this life of constant and like sin is just ever at the door and it's so easy for me to flip off and punch a hole in the wall and I don't even want to, but something just comes over me. Could it be that, could it be that you're trapped and just like the children of Israel that you want to get out of it. Sometimes it feels like you can't, but I don't think it was just that they were trapped and, and I want you to hear my heart um, because I think it's important for this. Not only did he trap them, but then also what he did was that he took all of the midwives and the midwives were like nurses that would help women as they were having children and they would be there to be able to help them. And what the Pharaoh told them is, I want you to take every single child that comes out of the womb and I want you to kill it. I want you to kill every single child. And understand this, I'm not making a political stance. I believe in saving our children. I'm 100 percent. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than just that, because in our world right now, every single child is not being killed. Right. Every single child is not coming out of the womb and being killed. Or is it? Because what's happening, I think, on a regular basis, um, and I had to check myself and have a conversation with my wife because I can think back months and probably even years that there has been times where I'm just, you know, hanging out with my daughter and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do something, and I just put the iPad in her hand. And I say, hey, babe, here, just get my phone. Just go. And it makes it so easy just to give our children entertainment. And as I was talking to my wife, I'm like, yo, they're they're reading stuff. They're, They're listening. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And they're listening to stuff that's creating. I had a conversation with my daughter, and she told me something that was theologically unsound, that didn't make sense theologically. And I'm like, yo, as a pastor, I've allowed for my daughter these fundamental, very basic theological concepts for her to lose it because she's watching YouTube videos. And after 97 videos that she watched, That third one was the one that got in her. And she was like, Dad. And I had to have a conversation to untangle that. So me and my wife were like, yo, we got to watch what they watch now. To the point that I've even put it on the TV. I said, "Happy, whatever you have on YouTube, I want you to put it on the TV. And we cast it on the TV. And we were just listening to some of it. And it was heartbreaking, infuriating. I would have lost my freaking salvation if that person was in front of me. But you're talking about a person that's talking to a kid. And they made a sexual comment for adults while they were speaking. And the kid doesn't understand it because the kid is like, oh, it's just a dirty joke. No, no, no. They have no idea that it's a dirty joke, but they're feeding this. So what's happening to our children? How many conversations are we having with our children about what they're eating, what they're thinking, what they're listening to, what conversations they're having? These are the things that I was like, yo, hold on. I got to Can I show you something? I want to read something to you because I think it's important. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. I want to show you who you are, your identity, to be able to help you in that world. Now, I want to speak just real quick to mothers and fathers, um, to parents right now, grandparents. I want to show you something. Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the conditions of your flock. Give careful attention to your herds. Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Um, what happens is that we think that pastoring is something that's done with a microphone when somebody preaches, but we don't understand that as a father, you are the pastor of your house. And for some of you, I know you have little brothers and sisters and maybe you don't have a dad. a mom, I'm talking to you too. You might be a single mom, but you're the pastor of that house. Um, You are actually shepherding and caring for people who are at your house. And so we have to make sure that we understand the condition of them, not just let them live because when they live years down the line, we're trying to figure out, how did you learn that? I didn't teach you that. The world that we live in right now is so inundated with media that it doesn't matter where you look. And, yo, I'm not trying to be legalistic. Don't do that weird stuff. You, I'm not telling, oh, my kid's not going to do iPad. No more YouTube. Yo, if that's what you want to do, do it. But I'm just saying have a conversation with them about it and begin to talk. Because I think that it's not about taking stuff away. I think it's about replacing it and explaining to them, hey, let me explain to you who God is, who the God that saved my life. Let me walk through some stuff that when they see it, they're like, yeah, that's not what my God is. That's not who I have. But you have to put something fundamentally in there to be able to teach them that. That's why G-groups are important because you get people around you they can help you to be able to build that. We don't just do that junk by ourselves. But I think it's important for you to understand because, man, I think the enemy is constantly trying to kill. Not only is it the children, but I think even if you take that idea of the children, I think you could bring it to its fundamental root. He's trying to kill your potential because if I can kill it at the very beginning... Then it won't happen. How many of us drove and you almost got in an accident? You were driving with your knee, writing an idea. You were like, oh, my God, this is going to be the best thing ever. You wrote it down. But a week later, you forgot about it. A month later, you, I mean, you had dreams. Oh, I'm going to do this. And then it was like, dang, what was it? Because what happens is that you've been walking this tailor-made road that wasn't created for you. And your potential, you feel like it's drained. And you get to the point sometimes where you're just, I'm too old to even do what God told me to do. Uh, you know what? I've, I've made so many mistakes. I can't even do that no more. I'm so much debt. It's going to take me 10 years just to get out of this debt. I'm not going to be able to do that. And we begin to walk this space that was never created for us. We don't even like it. But we just every single morning, we just get up and do it. We feel trapped. We feel like our potential is sapped. But then I want to show you something that I think everybody in this room deals with. Because that demonic spirit that was there is still now. Watch this. Scripture says that Moses goes up and he tells him, let my people go. Y'all remember that? He tells him, let, let them go. I want, I want, we're going to go worship. And Pharaoh's like, I'm not letting anybody go. You remember that, David? I'm not letting anybody go. And he says, as a matter of fact, what we're going to do is this. We're no longer going to bring the, the straw to their house. We're going to make them go get the straw now. So we're going to add more time to them and we're going to add more work to them. Does that feel like our life sometimes? Like you ain't got enough hours in the day, whether we have jobs and we're parents, whether we're in KSU and we're trying to learn and trying to grow, it feels like we don't not have enough hours in the day. We feel overwhelmed and exhausted. It feels like we're walking and it's just like in an assembly line. We're just, man, got to get up in the morning. I don't want to go to this job. I don't even like that boss. My teacher got a demon. I know she got a demon. I don't even want to go there. But every single day we got to do it. And then we come back and we're just like, man, I don't feel like doing a G group. G group for what? Man, I don't feel a G group this Netflix episode. And I just want to say, I'm tired, man. I'm just tired. I'm exhausted, dude. I don't. And it's just constant. And it, it wasn't a path that the enemy, God didn't create that for you. God, he, 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 he brings you rest, true rest. So what does it look like for you to be living that? It's, it's like the term. And I don't like this term, but I want, I want to be clear with it. I, I hate the term burnout. I don't think the term burnout is a Christian term. How can burnout be a Christian term when the Bible says that God is an all-consuming fire? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that burn out? I don't think burnout. Burnout has little to do with how much you do. It's about doing things that are of no importance. And you're doing things that don't matter. And the more you do these things that don't matter, you start to burn out. Stop doing them. Chino, what you saying? Quit my job? No, we'll talk about that later. Is it my wife? Do I? No, stop. Listen to me. Let's, let's walk through this. But let's think about it for a second. Because rest is not inactivity. It's a condition of your soul, right? And so there's something that's going on that's causing you to feel exhausted. How, how many of y'all sleep? I don't know, let's let's say you sleep five hours or eight hours, ten hours. You sleep at night, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand. You just get a good night's sleep sometimes, you know what I mean? Unless you have kids, and then God bless you. But most of the time, you you, you get a good night's rest, right? You get to sleep a little bit. But then you wake up in the morning, and you're still tired. You get up, and it's just like, oh, my God. I got to wake these crazy kids up. I ain't trying to deal with them right now. Just turn on the light. Y'all get up, man. <laughs> some, of the parents are, some of the parents are laughing too hard. Some of y'all in college, you're just like, man, I ain't. Golly, why did I take this class? You know what I mean? You're in the shower and you're just sitting there going side to side like, why am I doing this? You're questioning life's choices. I hate this. And You're just so exhausted. Yo, this isn't this isn't what God created for you. God actually gives you rest. He, he actually can strengthen you, create joy, excitement. I wake up in the mornings and, man, y'all don't know, boy, we be going for it. But I wake up in the mornings and I'm excited about what we get to do. What if, And it, that doesn't mean that you just have to be in church. And that you got to work in church and you have to be in church all day long. There's some things that God put inside of you. That if you continue to walk this way and you keep forgetting about them, eventually you're going to get to the place where you're going to be 70 years old waiting to get out of debt or waiting to figure out your purpose or waiting to get your calling when in reality God has already prepared these things for you. And over the next week, I want to show you what these things, if I can expose the enemy and snatch off the veil, you can be able to see, number one, see God clearly. Because that's the first thing. If you don't get this part here and you are still trapped, you still feel trapped by sin. If you still feel like you're sapped of your potential, it feels like everything good about you is gone. And if you're in this space, you feel trapped. Your potential is sapped and you just feel exhausted. I think there's two questions that you need to ask. Two questions. I, I, I'm super heavy. Y'all are like, oh my God, you know, I feel like crying. Oh my God. Two questions. Number one, how'd you get here? I think it's important for you to figure out you, who got you here? Who hurt you so bad that made you leave? You were, you were doing so good, and all of a sudden you slow. Was it the pandemic? Like, what caused you to just slip back into this place that you never thought you'd be in? I, I drive in my car, and I, I say this sometimes. I'll drive home, and it's scary, dog, because anybody ever, you pull up to your driveway after you've been driving, and maybe it's a 20, 30-minute commute, and you left your job, and you remember leaving your job, but then you remember you pull up in your driveway, and you're like, yo, how did I get here? I don't even remember, like. Did I kill somebody? Like, what? I don't even remember. Or or the worst one. This is the worst one. You knew that you had to go pick up your kids, right? Or something. Or you had to go to a cousin's house. You had to go do something, get your laundry, something. But then you forgot about it because you were just an automatic. You got in the car and then you pull up to your driveway. God, dogged, I forgot to get the kids. Because you just went this way automatically. And you got, oh, my God. Now I got to go back over here and go get them. That happens in life. Ten years have passed that fast. It was just 2000, March 10th, that they told us, hey, take all the stuff. We were meeting in a high school and they say, take all the stuff down or take your stuff. And you're not going to be meeting on Sunday. And I called Brianna and the team. I was like, we got to film something because with a pandemic, we can't even meet at the church. No that is. It's 2023. It's it fast forwarded real quick. I mean, life is fast. And hey, can I freak you out for a second? Don't get mad at me, but I don't care. Christmas is 120 days away. Wasn't it New Year's? (laughs) What happened? Life happened. It goes fast. And you don't know how you ended up here, but you're here. So now that you're here, let's talk about it. How can you get out of here? What's the next step? The next step is very simple. Every single week we talk about it. This first promise is so simple because it has nothing to do with you except you accept, accepting it. But I want to show you something. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. i will come up on the screen. Week after week, this is the escape. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. Yeah. That there is salvation available to you. If you confess with your mouth prayer and you believe in your heart, you can Be saved. You no longer have to live trapped. You no longer have to live in this space where where your potential is sapped or you feel overwhelmed and exhausted that this plan that you're going in, that God can automatically change it. Change your entire destiny. Write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. But then something happens because I think for so long churches have done this. We've done this where we do these prayers and we say these prayers and you repeat these prayers and we believe in them. We, 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 whatever. But what happens is that we say these prayers and then we go home and then we live. And it feels like we just get right back in the trap and it feels like we get right back. To being overwhelmed and it feels like our potential and we don't what's the next step yo we wrote it on our walls at the church we've based our entire church on taking this journey of knowing God you got salvation now you got to do something please understand this everybody pay attention because I, I, I'm, I'm I'm gonna say it and then you can write it down but you everybody say this with me I do these things, I do these things. Not, for not for salvation but from salvation I'm going to say three things that are very, very known to the church. But what happens is that we think that we have to do these things to be saved. We don't have to do these things to be saved. We do these things because we are saved. Number one, this is the big word. Y'all ready? Some of y'all hate this word. Some of y'all heard this word and it's been bashed because they put it at the beginning instead of putting it after salvation. It's the word repentance. It's the word repentance. You can never clean yourself up and do enough good to get saved. You have to get saved and allow for God to begin to mold you. Then you can begin to do these things. So you don't repent of your sins and then you come to God. You come to God and then you repent of your sins. You don't do it for God to get salvation. You do it because you're saved, right? You can't do it on your own. That's why for some of us, we we come to God and we're like, God, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop sleeping with her. And then I'm going to go to church. But you've been in that cycle for 10 years. And you haven't gotten to the point you're doing it because you can't do it under your own power. The Holy Spirit resides inside you, begins to bear fruit to be able to help you, the fruit of repentance so that you can actually live this thing out. But what ends up happening is that we put the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse. And we think, let me clean myself up and do all this stuff. It doesn't work like that. Romans ten nine said, if you confess, it's by grace. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. I was walking this way. Repentance. Now I'm going to turn around. My mindset turns. I'm physically turned. I erase some phone numbers out of my phone. I, I eliminate some Facebook friends and some Instagram friends. I stop listening to certain music. Not because I'm legalistic, but because I lived what you're listening to. I can't listen to that because I remember a person's name that's attached to the story that he's talking about. And so I have to turn around. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to make a 180 turn. First Corinthians, I want you to read, or second Corinthians or one of the Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 17 through 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing for I will receive you and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. We, we get saved. We give our life to Jesus. When we do that, I've made a decision. God, I want to serve you. Then we turn around. I, I'm no longer doing that no more. I can't go to her house no more. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to drink that no more. I don't want to watch that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to turn around. But then when we turn around, we have to do what the prophet of old um, said. Um, uh, prophet Elsa, she said, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It's the story of a monkey, right? And in in certain villages and countries and stuff, they they would put traps inside of trees and there's a hole in the tree and they would put fruits and candies and different things and nuts inside of it and they would put their hands in it and the monkeys would grab it. But when they would grab it, they can't pull their hand out because they got to help and they can't do it. And it's just, they're stuck. And you've been trying to hold on to that for so long. Man, let it go. And listen, I know he hurt you. Let it go. It's not worth your salvation. It's not worth the journey that God wants to take you on. Hey, listen, she is not that pretty. And if that's your wife, guys, listen to me. Stop. I'm not talking to you. But, dude, you got to let go the addiction, the things that got you trapped. You don't even like it. Because whenever you do it, after you finish, you feel so horrible. Just let it go. And if you let it go, you're going to watch As God starts doing transformative things in your life, you you have to repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Stop doing it. But then when you get there, just, just let it go. Let it go. I'll show you what the Bible says. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 37. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything you want and to lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade for your soul? We got we to gotta accept Jesus, first off. I, I give you my life, Lord. Save me. It's confession with the mouth, and I believe unto salvation. But then I, I got I to gotta repent. I got to turn from my wicked ways. I can't keep doing the same thing. I can't keep living that way. But then I got to get to a space where it's just like, it, along with salvation, I mean, with repentance, I just, I just got to let it go. And I don't want to live that way. The anxiety, the shame... I've been carrying it and it's a crutch sometimes because it makes me feel good. Like whenever I get scared, I can grab it and it makes me angry and it helps me to get through this situation. I can't live in that anger no more. I can't grab that no more. I don't want to live that way. I don't have to boo up and make people do what I do. I don't want to control people. I got I to gotta let it go. I got to let it go and I got to trust that God got me in the process. But then when I'm, when I'm walking and I'm, I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm, I'm going towards God, what happens is that a lot of people, we stop there. You got to give full commitment. Commit your life to Jesus. It's a relationship, y'all. It's something that's ongoing. But can I tell you something? Just give it all you got. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You went to that church and you gave it all you got and you gave your money and you served on team and then the pastor told you he was going to do this and he lied and then Sister Margaret got mad because you sat in her chair. And I, I know, I know, I know, I know. But look, let it go. Let it go. Give me in the key of why. Let it go. That's all the only part I know about the song, Levante. I don't know nothing else. I, let it go. It's like, we don't talk about Bruno. That's all I know. I talk about Bruno. Bruno Bruno was a prophet. So let it... Y'all just mad. But let it go. I, and commit. Just, hey, let me say this. And I want to say it clearly. Yo, jump in a G group. Right? Like, get around some people that... Do life with people. Like, just try it. Get on team, serve, do something. Like, start making your faith active. Commit, right? But here it is. That's not a ploy for for you to do that with us. And I want you to. I'm asking you to give me the next three weeks because I want to unpack the rest of these promises. But please understand me. If it's not with us, go to another church and jump in their small groups. Get around some people in real relationships. Get on a team and begin to serve other people. Watch what it does in your life. Go all in with this thing. I'm a product of going all in with this thing. I wasn't born in church. I didn't have the repentance and all this weird stuff. I didn't have none. To me, it was all y'all were weird. I was a gang member when I was eight years old. By the time I was 19, I had been in jail 13 different times. I got sentenced to five years in prison. When I was 19 years old, I got bullet holes in my body. My life was a disaster. I didn't have this. My mama was into witchcraft. I didn't know any of this stuff. But when I got it and I understood it, I said, I'm going to go all into this thing. We're talking decades later. My life has been changed. My wife, my kids, I'm in another space because I said, I'm going to go all in. I promise you it's not that it works it's that it's god's plan plan. (laughs) it's salvation sanctification redemption and then fulfillment those are the big theological words but this path has always existed what would happen if you took the first steps what would happen if you just give me three weeks next week i'm gonna talk about some of the stuff that you don't want to talk about but i'm gonna say it from the stage so you can just smile and (laughs) that's awesome But I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that we deal with that's real. And then two weeks from now, I'm going to talk about your purpose and your calling. And I'm going to show you you got a purpose and you got a calling. Your your design is always going to to, to reveal your destiny. I'm going to show you. It's always been inside of you. You know what it is. But then after that, I'm going to show you what it looks like to actually, that colleges teach Maslow's hierarchy of living. I mean, it's something that we learned when we were kids. But that there's actually a, a plan for you to live a transcending life that it's like throwing a rock in the a, in a lake. There's waves that the things that you do can affect other people for a long time. So the next three weeks, I wanna teach you about those things. But none of those three things matter if we don't get this part right. If we don't get this first part right. Now here's this first part. For some of us in this room, we hear it and we're just like, yo, I, I ain't hear it like that. I thought, cause grandma went to First Missionary Baptist, Pentecostal in Christ, Methodist church on, on the corner. I thought she went to church enough for both of us, you know what I'm saying? And then she dragged me and I went to church and you know what I'm saying? I did my first slow dance to I Can Only Imagine, you know what I mean? Like, I'm safe. But maybe today you heard some stuff that you feel trapped. And maybe it is true, man, that your potential has been sapped from you. You're just like, man, I don't even know what's next. Like, you just feel exhausted. Today, Jesus said he wants to give you rest. And the promise of scripture is that he wants to know you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And so in just a second, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Just out a moment of respect for everybody who's around you. And I'm going to ask you to, to make a decision. And in that step, I'm believing that there's a threshold that you're going to cross over from where you were to where you want to be. And then I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer then I'm gonna give you some practical next steps. I don't have to bring you to the front. We don't have to dab you with anointing oil or make, shake you so you fall down. This is a moment between you and God, an authentic, real moment that I can't do. Only God could do this part. But would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church, where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media